Praise God. Hey, good morning, church. Good morning to you. Love you all, champions. You're your champions. We're going to talk about a little... <laughs> I've been on this subject, and I just can't... It's, I realize you could literally just preach on this subject forever. But, um, uh, well, it's the, it's the eternal gospel. But we're going to be, um, we're going to be getting back into First um, Peter today. And um, we've been on the subject of identity. And, um, well, identity and purpose. And I don't know, if you've missed it, when we get up on the podcast, it's a bit hard to recap the last few weeks. Um, but uh, that'll be up soon. So if you missed that, um, please enjoy. And, um, and let me see, I have a few announcements here that I don't want to miss before we get into the word. Um, but hey, did we announce your birthday, Yaku? 19th. That's another February birthday. I just learned that recently. I don't want to miss that. Happy birthday to you. Man, there's a lot of February birthdays here. Praise God. It's a good month. We packed more birthdays into the shortest month than any other month. It's a little longer this year, though. Leap year. Yes, leap year. Yeah, praise God. Because Humboldt Man Up Conference is 28th and 29th. So that's just a great little segue. Men, sign up at the back after church. And um, and so 70 bucks covers... Uh, Covers your um, share hotel rooms, just like we did last year, um, but you get your own bed. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, that's the way to go. And uh, and uh, <laughs> anyway, and the conference and then lunch is included um, that day. And so, uh, but anyway, more information in the back. Please sign up for that. And um, we started last week. We've already got some folks signed up. And... Um, We'll just organize, we're going to, uh, we'll help you if you can drive, if you can just give a heads up to Rachel there during registration, and uh, we'll just kind of point people towards drivers, and then help fill in the gaps at the end, and hopefully everybody can just pitch in as they're, wi- as they're able to help out the drivers um, on that day. So, um, but you'll just need money for like three meals, breakfast, yeah, basically three meals, uh, dinner that night, and then two meals the following day, unless... You had a carload who did not want to eat before they went home. You actually could leave at like after the main session and make it home before dinner. So, um, but I know some of us like to go hang out, get a bite to eat. Yay, God. So, uh, man up conference. Get in, get in and we'll have fun. Um, I think that's it. Funds are due uh, Sunday, February 23rd. All right, so that's the financial deadline on that. Um, if you're just like unable to go for some reason, come talk to us, okay? We want everybody to be able to go. All right, not everybody, all the men. It'd get weird. It'd be weird, you know. But uh, praise the Lord. You can do something. You guys, you can do something else, you ladies. So, praise God. Hallelujah. Hey, it feels good to be on the mend. Man, I got, I got hit this last week with that junk going around. I'm usually pretty. I mean, I'm just, I'm thankful for that. 
But, man, I really did get hit. It was that thing I was a little in denial, you know. I'm like, I think I'm going to go out. Like two hours out, just melt. Man, I'm going, going to bed. So, uh, praise God. God, I enjoyed some sunshine today. And um, you're always more thankful to feel good when you, when you didn't. So, let's pray. Lord, help. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. As we get into your word, we thank you, God, for your spirit of wisdom and revelation here among us, God. Yeah. Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would open up your word to us, that you would speak to our hearts and change our lives. Make us more like you. Lead us further into your heart, into your purposes, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, so many good things are happening in the world today, uh, but there's something happening uh, right now called the Send, and uh, it's they're big stadium gatherings basically, but they're just a bunch of hungry people who are gathering together, and uh, most people are coming together to pray and to uh, just hear the Lord's heart. It's called the Send, so the whole heart is that God is raising up a passion in his people to see the Great Commission fulfilled. And um, and it's been amazing. But the one report that I just heard I want to share with you is, just heard this last night, that uh, it's in Brazil, this one. We had one in Florida last year. When I say we, I just mean all of us in the world. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm just like, whatever God's doing, I'm a part of it, even if I'm not there. That's just how I'm going to think. Of, that's how I think about it. So... So I'm like, we, I'm like, did you go? No, but we had one. And uh, we all did. You did too. You just didn't know. And, um, and maybe you did. But the president of Brazil gave his life to Jesus publicly. Think about that. When, when leaders of nations are giving their lives to the Lord publicly. Wow, it's a big step. It's a big step. And... Um, and that's powerful, but you know, that is, that is what it looks like when you surrender to Jesus. That, you know, that um, he leads us into, uh, uh, he gives us a power to be a witness by his spirit. And um, that we're unashamed of him, you know. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. But um, just some notes during, during worship. I was thinking about how, um, so we've been in, so First Peter 2, 9, okay. We've been, we've been getting into uh, the last few weeks into two verses, Ephesians 2.10, which is, you are his workmanship, we are his workmanship, or his creation, created in Christ to do good works that he's prepared in advance. Man, everything is in that verse right there. Your identity is in him. He created you. And you were created in Christ. So in Christ, you find out who you are, and who you're created to be. Until you're in Christ, you don't know. That is the truth. He is the only way, the only truth, and He is the life. Alright, so we've been getting into Ephesians 2.10, and we've been talking about how um, that word created, uh, you're His workmanship, or His creation. It means masterpiece. It means that you're uniquely made to live the life that He's called you to live. And when you find the life that he's called you to live, you will find fulfillment like never before. Not that it's going to be easy all the time. How many know that? Right? 
We don't need to create challenges. Life has enough to offer, you know. <laughs> and um, Jesus promised it that way. He said, in this world, you're going to have some troubles. But don't worry, I've overcome the world. So if I, I'm going to be with him, I'm going to get on his side. He's the overcomer. And then he leads me in victory. So he's, he's called us to live the life that he's living. I was thinking about this during worship, actually. Just the Lord continues to speak to me. And I was thinking about how, um, how when Jesus called us, he called us. Yes, it, he chose his disciples that they might be with him. So he just he called us into relationship. But when he called them, he said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He was actually calling them to make a radical life change, to change their business. So they left their nets. They left their physical nets to join a spiritual mission. I mean, it's a, it's a huge leap of faith what they did, if you think about what it is. And God doesn't call everyone to leave their physical business, right? We've got to have businesses. We've got to have stores and businesses. I mean, it's important. And, uh, and so many people live out their call through maybe their building business and being a light to the world through business. So we're not, that's not the message today, but, but the point of this is, is that when he called them, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what he was saying was, follow me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually give you a purpose and a job. I'm going to teach you to do something else. And I was thinking about how, in a very simple way, that Christ calls you and me into relationship. But if we want to enjoy relationship with Christ in a deep way, we've got to be doing what he's doing. If those disciples would have said, Jesus... I've been listening to you teach, and I like you. I really want a relationship with you, um, but I'm fishing. So, can you come fishing with us every day? That wouldn't have worked out. He would have said, well, I called you. Follow me. If you want to follow me, follow me. Well, I really want to know you, Lord, but this is what I like to do. And, and But Jesus was saying, but follow. do you know what I'm saying? In a very real sense, it, to have a deep relationship with Christ, the one that he's called us to, we've got to do what he's doing. We've got to have it on his terms. He, he does it his way. He is the way. <laughs> right? And, and I don't actually... I, I, there's a way that seems right to a, to a person, to a man, but in the end, it doesn't work out. It all falls apart. It's, it's destruction. But he is the way that leads to life. And he came to give us life. And so we're talking today, we're looking now at the second verse that we've been pairing two verses together. And I think they go together so well. And 1 Peter 2, 9, the point, all verses go together because it's all God's word. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I just want to look a little further at this, uh, at this verse today. And there's points. So those of you who like points, I, there's points in here. Okay. And um, there's always points, but there's really pointed points. And so we're going to look at this verse 
together. But what, what I want you to know is that all of us are called by God. All of us are called into relationship. Right? Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. But then he also said, whoever comes to me, I'll never cast them out. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him. See, when you get the sum of God's word, you really begin to see. You can't come to God. You can't come to Jesus unless the Father draws you. But here's the secret. He's calling everyone. <laughs> That's a good word. So whoever will believe gets to enter in to this life of fulfillment that he has. It doesn't have anything to do with your profession, your occupation, how you make your money. It doesn't have anything to do with that, although all of that is in the deal. Because he gets me. So let's look at this, okay? The first several points talks about who you are. See, when you first, when you come to Christ, you find something out. Well, first of all, you know that God loves you. That's the first step in finding out who you are. The first thing you find out is that you are one who's loved. He loves you. He loves you, radically loves you. And then he begins to tell you a little bit about yourself. Oh, by the way, I created you. And I can, I can introduce you to yourself. The one that I dreamt of. You know, so, so many people are living another version of themselves, different than the one that God dreamt about, that God created. But in Christ, what I found in my walk with the Lord early on and, and ongoingly, I feel like not only am I getting to know God better all the time, never going to plateau, never ever. I'm never going to know it all. The minute I think I know it, that's when I stop knowing. And um, and so so I'm never I'm never going to stop growing. But I learn more and more who He is. But here's the other amazing part of that: the more I know Him, the more I know myself. Because as we talked about in in the last couple of weeks. The, the best picture is that when Adam was created in the garden, this is a huge point. Just imagine if we could get this. That Adam, the first thing Adam knew was God. Before he even knew himself, he knew God. He woke up and there's God. The one who breathed life into him. He didn't know about anything else. He didn't even know about the earth he was living on. Or the dust he was formed from. He just knew God. My creator. And everything Adam knew up until the fall about himself was only in relation to God. He had no ideas of himself outside of his relationship with God. He didn't believe anything about himself that God didn't teach him about him. Imagine that. That will set you free. That will set you free. And this is the freedom that comes as we walk with him. The more I know him, the more I know myself. 
The more I know myself, anybody ever, I'm going to offend some people, maybe. Maybe it's a little too childlike here. But anybody ever see the snoodle's tail? The snoodle's tail? If you've got little kids and you're into veggie tails, then, then maybe you've seen the snoodle's tail. And I'm telling you, it's written for kids. Everyone should watch it. We should show it in church. It is, it is like, it is powerful. And it's this little snoodle. Yes, I know I lost you on that, but no, I didn't. You're with me. He's born with wings. I don't want to ruin it for you. He he starts thinking, he starts noticing things about himself. And he's like, why, why am I made like this? And he's thinking, well, this must have a purpose. And then all the people around him are speaking down on his identity. And eventually, eventually he has a conversation with his maker. And it's just amazing. And then he steps into something. I, you know, you should just get it. You should just get it. If you're not, if you just, if you just enter the kingdom like a child, just remember Jesus said, this is how we do it. And you just watch the snoodle's tail. You'll, you'll see the kingdom, the kingdom there. And um, but the point is, is that God speaks to us about our identity. All right, so let's look at the verse together and let's get into this. But you are a chosen race. Okay, number one. You're chosen. This is how it actually starts. This is how it starts. One, you were created. But after that, you were chosen. Think about this. Feels good to be picked, doesn't it? You remember when you were picking teams as a kid? If you're the captain, it's awesome. If you're not, there's a little bit of that anxiety, like, man, when am I going to get picked? I want to get picked first. You know, and then if you, get, if you ever got picked last, you're like, fine, I'm on this team. You know, and, uh, and, uh, but, but God chooses us. He chooses us each individually. The word here for chosen actually means, check this out, it means picked out. This is the amazing thing about God. In all the billions of people on the earth and all the people who have ever lived and all the people who will live, everyone completely unique, no two alike. He knows that one. And he picks them in this way. Picked out, chosen by God. Listen to what it can mean. Favorite. Favorite. God has the capacity. You are so uniquely created by God that if He doesn't have you, He'll never have anyone remotely like you. Think about this. God desires you and me. And He could have a hundred over here, but there's a place in His heart for you that until he has you, there's a longing. He says, that one. I didn't make another one like them. And I, I long for them. I long for their love. I long for them to know my love. I long for their worship. I long for relationship with that one. That's how God feels about each one. In other words, God has the capacity. God has the capacity. We don't understand this in our limited nature. But God is unlimited. He has the capacity to look at each one and genuinely say, you are my favorite and you are my favorite 
and you are my favorite. Isn't that amazing? Because to God, each one is so unique to his heart that it's almost like you're in your own category. So there's no competition. There's no substitution. So I, I used to bother me when people were like, I'm his favorite. And I'm like, and I was in totally like on fire for the Lord. And I'm like just enjoying, you know, the I'm his favorite. And I'm like, but you know, it doesn't really work, right? You're not his favorite. I mean, he loves us all the same. You know, you're not his. I mean, I never said it. It was just the inner thought. And I was like, okay with it. I wasn't offended by it. But it was just like my theological mind is like, like, you know, that it doesn't act. I mean, it's sweet. I know what you're saying. He loves you a lot, you know. And, um, and, uh, but then I realized I am his favorite. And so are you. Oh my goodness. Now you understand. Oh, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God. And, um, and so the word here, is uh, I'm not a Greek like linguist, um, even though I studied Greek. But eklektos, I think I got it pretty close. Eklektos. It it sounds like eclectic, which is a collection of and a variety, right? But it but it means to be called out, chosen out. Interestingly enough, side note, it sounds a lot like the word for church, ecclesia, which is this. A, a, Community of citizens called out by God. All right, so one, you're chosen. You and me have been chosen. You know what I love about that? Is that when you've been chosen, you don't have to try to be picked. Once you're chosen, you don't have to prove yourself. You're already picked. You don't have to earn anything from God. You can't. You don't have anything he needs. You have everything he wants. How about this? How about a God who is complete in himself, literally needs nothing and no one in any way? He's actually emotionally fulfilled all by himself. He has the ability to delight in himself. Keep himself company. And at the same time, that this other element that almost seems contrary to long. See, we often long for people out of what we have needs. But God's love is completely without need. It's just pure, raw, like just desire. Okay. You're chosen. You're chosen. It means he already likes you. He already loves you. You're already picked. You're on the team. You're in the family. Okay, number two, a royal priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. You're royal. You're royal. You're kingly. You're legal. You're legal. Regal. <laughs> you're legal, but you're regal. You're regal. There's, if you can imagine, you know, we look at each other and we don't see one another in our perfected state. We're still walking this thing out, right? None of us are currently manifesting perfection. Let's just say it that way, right? Right? And if anyone is, I'd like to meet you. But, but, 
I know the one who is. We all know him. That, but you are royal. Man, this idea, you know, like I was listening to a, a, a really amazing uh, pastor teacher. Um, but he was relating to us as, oh, you know, when you got sinners getting together and, and he was that whole thing. And, and I'm like, I know what he's saying. There's a lot of truth in it. Except I've never seen, I've never seen in the Bible where it says, uh, like, where the Lord's like, oh, gather all my sinners. My church of sinners come together. Like, let's read the Bible because it talks about a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation. People first. I mean, and the words that are chosen in the Greek are like royal, regal. Holy. You realize this is why the transformation of the mind, the renewing of the mind according to the word of God is so key. Because we manifest what we believe. As a man thinks his heart, so is he. And so oftentimes, you've heard this maybe a million times, but the truth is, that we prophesy our experience. That's not a prophecy. But we do prophesy our experience rather than the truth of God. And, and if we want to experience transformation and live the life that the Lord has paid for us with his own blood to live, then, then what we've got to do is begin to believe what he says about us and say that about ourselves. And so you made a mistake. Well, you have an advocate with the Father, but you are not your mistakes. You have the ability to sin, but you are a son or a daughter. You know how you know you're not a sinner anymore? It doesn't, it doesn't feel good anymore. Because when I was far away from God, man, I didn't feel bad about a lot of things. But man, the minute you're born again, whew, you feel bad for thinking about it. You know, and you know why? That is evidence that my nature was changed. I'm actually not created for that anymore. That's why, boy, sin, it tears you up. And as a Christian, it really tears you up. Because you're a fish out of water. You're not designed for that. Okay. But you are royal. And you're a royal priesthood. Think about this. This is key. And this is, when we get into priest here... This is where the identity and the call begin to come together. Because a priest is something you are. But it implies a whole lot of what you do. And I like that in the lineup, I noticed that in the lineup here, a royal priesthood. It's, a, it's the office of priest. What do priests do? You and me are priests. Do you know you're a priest? You can get the little collar if you want. I think they're kind of cool. But, but that's not what I'm talking about. Priests in the Old Covenant, these were the ones who had access to the presence of God. They could go places others couldn't go. 
They actually were those who would minister to God on behalf of the people. You're a priest. You're that. You have the ability to minister to God in a way that actually brings blessing to others. Oh. Yeah, as a priest, you have an incredible amount, not only of privilege, but of authority. Because when we put him first, his throne is established wherever we are. And instead of us trying to work our way, what we do is we just establish the throne and he rules. And the kingdom comes wherever you are. And we just walk out, Ephesians 2.10, the opportunities that he puts in front of us day to day. So, so you're a priest. You minister, we minister to God. Do you know what qualifies? Oh, this is really cool. Do you know what qualifies? In order to be a priest in the Old Covenant, do you know what qualified you? Birth. I'd like to be a priest. Well, you're a Reubenite, so you'll never be one. You've got to be a Levite. You got to be a son of Levi, or you just can't. It's a lot like royalty. It's a royal priesthood. True royalty, you got to be born into a royal family. You can't just be like, I think I'm going to be royal. You know, like, well, there's a royal family. If you're born in the royal family, you were born royal. You didn't earn it. Royalty, you don't earn royalty. You can take power, but it doesn't make you royal. But there's great news. So, so in order to be a priest, you had to be of a priestly line. And you and I are born again in Christ, who is the great high priest, who has passed through the heavens. And he will, and, and he cannot die. He's overcome death. So that means he's a priest forever. Which qualifies each of us. We are born again. As priests to God. It's amazing. It actually says in Revelation. And this. Did you know. I was just uh, learning more about this. That, that in the 95 theses. That um, Martin Luther. Hammered to the Catholic Church door. That um, saved by grace. And, and the fact that every believer. Can read the word of God. And there were all these things. That he had been reading the Bible. And he said wait a minute. We can all have access to God. But one of the things that, um, that we don't talk about as much is that he identified something in the scripture, and it's this truth right here, the priesthood of every believer. There's no second-class citizens in the kingdom. We have different roles and different graces and different gifts, but all of us can come before the king as a priest and offer him something and enjoy his presence. Isn't that powerful? Access to his presence, the ability to worship and bring offering. Actually, here's the amazing thing that in the new covenant, the offerer and the offering are the same. <laughs> the offerer and the offering are the same. We're a living sacrifice. When you come in, you're, you walk every day before the Lord 
When you get up in the morning and you say, my life's not my own, I belong to you, he goes, that's the offering. You don't got to bring an animal. You don't got to make special bread. You don't have to do any of the stuff because the blood of the Lamb was shed for you. But it says in Revelation 1.6, it says, and he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. As a priest, our place is to bring him glory. You may, and, and check this out, Revelation 5.10, he says it again. He says, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. It's your priesthood that qualifies you to reign. Right? right? Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else gets added to you. It's God in the first place. It's the first commandment. That, that I want. The first, we talk a lot about the second commandment, which is so important. But I'm telling you, I believe we're in a day where the first commandment is being highlighted again, which is love the Lord your God. That's the first, most important thing, and everything else flows out of that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then, you'll just start loving your neighbor. Flows right out of you. So you're holy, set apart, different, sacred. You're sacred, clean, pure. Man, I, I remember I used to sing, I loved this song. I probably still love this song, but I used to sing this song on my guitar, you know. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. You guys know that? Holiness is what I need. And um, righteousness, righteousness. Yeah, and, and uh, but I realized like there's something wrong with that song as much as I love it. And it's something in the heart. It's good. It's all right. Let's sing it. You know, because he's doing a work in you. But I realized I was asking God for something that he already gave me. That I'm not holy by my actions. I'm holy by association. It says, who, he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And so when you're joined to God, you become what he has. And the Old Testament set us up for this. Because he, he says, just you love, you read the scripture, the way God just works at you to bring you to the place of surrender. He, he says, he says uh, be holy as I am holy. And then another place he says, there's nobody holy, not even one. Be holy, but no one is. What am I supposed to do? He was leading us. The law is a tutor. He was leading us into the future. Now for us, it's the present of the days of grace where faith in Christ would appropriate that righteousness, that holiness. And so that I'm joined to the Lord. And guess what happens? My nature can't affect his. So mine gets swallowed up by his. I become like it. The more I meditate on that, the more it manifests in my life. We can live free of sin. We have been set free. It's so basic, but it is so important for, for the world, for the believers to continue to hear this. That 
that you can live. Well, I'm just going to stumble every day, all day, every day. I'm a sinner saved by grace. You're like, you were a sinner, turned into a saint. You got saved by grace. I'm not saying that you don't make mistakes, but you have an advocate. God forgives you. And you keep on walking as a saint. And the more you meditate on that, literally, the more and more righteousness He begins to manifest through your life. You can live free of any cycle that you feel bound to. This is for somebody today. Any cycle that you are so frustrated about. I'm so tired of this. I feel so condemned by this. Why do I continue? Like a dog returns to his vomit, the Bible says. Why do I do that? But I'm telling you, there's freedom. There is freedom. Cycles do break. We've seen it again and again and again, and we continue to see it. You know what? I'll tell you this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is key. I, um, I, 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 I was uh, ministering to a young adult one time, and, um, and he'd been struggling with, uh, well, he'd been struggling with pornography. He couldn't, couldn't get out of it. And he, and he hated it because he loves the Lord. But he kept stumbling in this thing. He had this cycle in his life. And then the enemy loves that because then he's like, yes, now I can condemn you every day. And, and, uh, you know, and then you're just living under condemnation. And, ah, oh, the joy that God has for you is stolen. You know, and then you just got to go get in the light, confess, and God forgives you. And, um, but he kept kind of going into this cycle. And I said, have you? And I just thought, have you ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, no. Do you want that? Yes. We prayed. The presence of God came on him in a very significant way. It was actually over a video call. He was in Hawaii. I was in California. And I didn't see him for a few months. And then I saw him in person. I said, how you been? He said, I haven't struggled one time since the day that Holy Spirit touched me. And it's scriptural. It says, by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. It doesn't say, by my willpower, by trying extra hard, by beating myself up. No, by the Spirit. All right. And you are a people for his own possession. This is something that God is breathing afresh on in his church in this day. That he is reminding us in all of our blessing that remember, you are not your own. You are not your own. And you know, every time, you know, we start getting kind of frustrated about the things we want and the things we wish for, and it's not all coming together exactly, you know, and everything. You know what the cure to that is? Oh, yeah. I don't belong to me. And I don't mean that as in tough luck, deal with it. I mean, when I remember that I actually am his possession, then I I remember that he's working on my behalf. Because did you know that if you belong to you, did you know who's responsible for upkeep, maintenance and improvement? The owner. Right. That's the beauty of renting. That's the beauty of renting. But the beauty of ownership 
is that you get to do it's yours. You get to do some. You get to do what you want. You get to improve the place. You don't have to ask anybody. You know, it's yours. But there's a responsibility to ownership. That's why in relationship often we talk about taking ownership <laughs> because you have a responsibility here. And um, but here's the good news: if you're his possession, then. He's the one who has taken responsibility for maintenance, upkeep, and improvement of you. That means you don't have to work at it. You just look to him and remember, Lord, I'm yours. I'm your possession. I'm not my own. It's actually freedom. It's freedom. If I'm in a stubborn place, it's like, I want to do my own thing. Boy, that thing's dangerous. And, but you know what? When, when I am submitted to God and I do it His way, it's better. It's better. Because He takes care of stuff better than I do. Like he takes care of me better than I did when I was owning me. He's way better. And he thinks of dimensions of things I need and things I didn't even know I needed and things I maybe don't even need. And he just wants to improve. I need that. How many need to improve? <laughs> so. But you know, when you're his, then you just get to know that you're loved and that he's working in your life. So it's enjoyable. It's beautiful. My, my daughter, my eight-year-old, we're going to close here. My eight-year-old's been saying something to me recently. and It's kind of, I almost don't want to share it because it's too precious. But, but I will tell you for the sake of this, this message is that she'll, she'll cuddle up next to me. And I don't know where she heard this. It's just her own expression. But she'll say, you're mine. She said to me this morning, she, when I, early in the morning, she woke up, she climbed up in bed, and she goes, you're mine. And I'm like, you know, last night we were sitting in the living room, you're mine. And I'm like, man, I just love when you say that. You're mine too. I'm my beloved, and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. How good is it to know that he's yours and you're his? You know, Sharon always says, uh, she always says, I know who I am and whose I am. Other people have said that too. But that's a big deal. And in all this, in closing, it says, so that. You're all these things. What are you? You're a chosen race. You're chosen. You're royal. You're a priesthood. You're holy. You're a people that belongs to Him. So that you and me get to proclaim the praises of the One who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is, this is, this is a now word. It's always been a now word. It's a now word. God is calling His church in this hour and sharing his heart, imparting his passion to see the world come to him. And it is happening. 
any time in history that the church has made great gains and the church has continued to be victorious and make gains throughout all ages. But what you see when you look at history is you see, you see, yes, God's moving, God's moving, but then why God's moving? And sometimes it's a time that touches the, the earth, sometimes it's a time that touches spots of the earth, but eventually what happens is when God moves in a fresh way like this, hearts are touched. You know what happens is that when they find out who they are and they, and they come back to their first love, or maybe it's the first time they came to their first love, they, they, their hearts are on fire and they say, I want to do for you. And the Great Commission begins to be fulfilled. To go into all the world. And for you, it might be go into that manufacturing place that you work. Go into that store. Go into that place of business. Go into the post office. Go into town. Go. It might be go to Africa. Go to Latin America. Maybe a short-term mission trip here and there. But the idea is, is that in the heart of the believer, a fire of the, when that fire of love and consecration begins to rage, what comes with it is, oh, I see the heart of God. I have the heart of God. I want to see the world come to Him. And, and, and then all these things begin to change where, where, where all of a sudden, because you realize that the reason people came to Jesus was because of His difference, not because of His sameness. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean, I don't believe in exploiting people, but I do believe in being unashamed. Unashamed, you know? And God wants to, to set us free because sometimes the things that, that hold us back, it's kind of toe-stepping. I'll step my own toes here. And it, it, but that sometimes what holds us back is, you know what? We build, <laughs> and we can all do this, we build teachings or beliefs around our comfort zone. Well, I'm just going to let my life speak. You know, I don't ever have to actually say the name of Jesus to anybody. You know what I mean? And I believe. I believe in letting your life speak. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, it's like, I could, go, I could expound on that. By, you know, I'm just responsible for me and each of us. But this is the beauty. The Lord calls us to himself to give a mission. This is the cool thing. If you don't have a plan for your life, he's got one. It's amazing because everybody needs to know their love. But once you know you're in a family, you know what else you need? You need to be able to contribute. Not to earn worth, because that's why you already know your love. You're already in the family before you ever did anything. You're known and loved, you're chosen, you're holy. And then, and then but pretty soon this thing rises up in you where you're like, I want to contribute. And so God, would you stand with me, please? Um, ministry team, could you get to come to the front? And so God is touching our hearts. And, and, and I'm not, you know, it, I don't know what it has to look like for each individual. But what I know is this, it's, it's the touch in the heart that God has for us. And the mission follows, you know.
Transformed people transform regions. That's the thing. That's the thing. More than programs ever do. Wildfire. You know, hearts ablaze. When you're on fire. I'm not saying do backflips and be zany. You know, some of that comes down to your personality and your wiring. The other thing that happens, though, is when passion really ignites, sometimes people do actually display something they've never displayed before. You know? But everyone gets to play in the kingdom. Everybody's in. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that your word is a seed. That it goes into our hearts. That it's planted in fertile grounds. I believe that every heart in here has been preconditioned by you for your word today. That it's mixed with faith. That as we go out of here, your living, active word. This isn't a speech. This is your living word. And when we go out of here, God, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's moving inside of us and it's growing and it's shaping us. And we just say yes to you, Lord. Yes to you. Come. Have your way.